Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us today. Pastor Miller and I learned on Friday, two days ago, uh, that one of our members, one of our dear sisters in Christ, Ardeth Felsky, was called home to heaven. Just a, a couple weeks ago, she had fallen and broken a couple ribs and she was in quite a bit of pain. And uh, later this past week, she started going downhill and feeling in, in more pain and she died. But really, her death is the beginning of something glorious for her. She's with the Lord in glory. And that is what we celebrate today on Epiphany 1, the beginning of something glorious. As God reveals his son at the Jordan River, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, the beginning of Jesus' glorious ministry, his healing and his teaching, and leading up to his work for us at the cross as our Savior. The beginning of something glorious. We will start our service then with the hymn, Christ Begins, and uh, according to the directions that are printed there.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church in all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. Let us pray. Father in heaven, at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, you proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Keep us who are baptized into Christ, faithful in our callings as your children, and make us heirs with him of everlasting life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for the scripture lessons. In our first lesson today from 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see the anointing of King David. Anointing was something that would happen in the Old Testament for prophets and priests and kings, uh, showing that they were going to be the next person to take on this office, pouring a little oil on their head. Yet just as Saul failed in his role as king, David failed too. And that's why God's people for so long look for, looked forward to the true anointed one, the Messiah, Christ. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. 
I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is the word of our God. Our second lesson for today, from Titus chapter 3, will be the basis of our sermon. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is the word of our God. stand in honor of the gospel. In our gospel today from Luke chapter 3, we see how Jesus began his ministry with the Father's approval and the Spirit's anointing. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please 
Please be seated for our next hymn, 377. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon today, the second lesson from Titus 3, let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Earlier this past week, out east, Perhaps you heard about the big traffic standstill on I-95 out in Virginia. Apparently, a truck had an accident and jackknifed. And with all the wintry weather out there, too, things were backed up for dozens and dozens of miles. People were stuck out there, some of them, for over 24 hours in that cold, blowing snow. After the first hour of getting stuck and stranded out in the snow, you might be a little bit annoyed because there was some place I was supposed to be. I've got better things to be doing with my time. But as time keeps going, after about a day or so, you might start to wonder, when is this going to end? Am I going to make it out of this? Am I going to be okay? What, what am I going to do? There are several small things, things we might not think of, things that don't cost much and might seem, not seem like a big deal, several small things that we can do to stay safe in winter driving, like our seatbelt, 
or having some blankets in the trunk or some bottles of water in case you get thirsty, stuck somewhere for a while, a flashlight or a candle with a lighter, a little shovel to help, help dig you out. And of course, a survival kit would not be complete without a roll of duct tape. Just little things that that we might not think of very often. But today, in our second lesson, God reminds you and me of something that might seem small and insignificant. But it is powerful. It is vital. Just a little bit of water connected to God's word and work. God saves us through baptism, visibly and generously. Now, on the island of Crete, where Titus ministered, it was quite noticeable what kind of people were all around him. As you read through Titus, just three short chapters, you hear about people who were crooked, dishonest, and rebellious. And it wasn't just the Apostle Paul that characterized them that way. It was some of their own people, some of their own poets, a man by the name of Epimenides, Uh, several centuries earlier, said that Cretans, people from the island of Crete, they're always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. To say that this was a rough bunch would be an understatement. In fact, in many plays and different literature works from the ancient world, they turned the name of the island, Crete, into a verb uh, to Cretanize was to be a liar. These people were ruled by harmful pleasures. They were disobedient and largely untrustworthy. But Paul sets up a strong contrast here between the people, himself included, and God. He says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, what a stark contrast between God the Savior and the people he came to save. The word for appear there really is where we get our word for epiphany, to come to light, to be revealed, uh, to become visible. And it says God our Savior appeared. The epiphany that we celebrate today is that unassuming Hebrew man who came to the Jordan River, That man who was born in the little town of Bethlehem and brought up in humble Nazareth and raised to be the son of a carpenter, there he stepped out and was showcased by God himself. God said, here's the one. This is the man you've been waiting for for so long. He is the one who has prophesied and promised about throughout the Old Testament. He's here in Epiphany the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. As God the Father said, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit flew down in bodily form of a dove and came to rest on Jesus, Jesus anointed by the Holy Spirit there. This is the one, an epiphany. That's the God who saved us. But it was not because of righteous things that we had done. And Paul himself identified with the people of Crete. He said, I too 
Along with you in Crete, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating others. Yet Paul, too, was saved not because of the righteous things he had done, not because he was circumcised, not because he was so devoted to God's law or followed the Lord so zealously, Past week in confirmation class, we had a discussion about whether or not believers deserve to be saved more than unbelievers. We had a great discussion. What would you say to that? Do believers deserve to be saved more than unbelievers? Over the course of our discussion, it came out that we all tend to think that, yeah, we deserve it a little bit, at least a little bit for going to church so often, or for praying so hard, for pouring ourselves into volunteering, or at least our lives maybe don't look as outwardly messy as other people. Yeah, don't we deserve it more? No. Isaiah tells us that our righteous acts, what seems right to us, filthy rags in God's sight. And in Galatians, Paul tells us that if we rely on our works, even in the smallest part, even just a little cut of our good works, we are foreign from Christ and fallen from grace, not because of righteous things that we had done. God saved us. God saved us in baptism. It's God's work. Yes, people might schedule the baptism with the pastors and walk up to the front, lean their head over or the head of their child. The pastor might say the words and and pour the water, but it's really God's work. God says it so simply and clearly here. God saved us. Not God could save us or might save us or will save us. It's a fact. It's accomplished completed by Christ at the cross and conveyed to you and me at the font by God the Holy Spirit. Because if baptism were our work, just just an ordinance that we fulfill, just something we do to show that we're a believer, we would always be in doubt. Did I do it sincerely enough? Was my effort there enough? God saved us. The word order in the original is very helpful here too because it features the washing and the Holy Spirit. Those are the main two elements in baptism. Just as Jesus said in John chapter 3 that in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And so here it's the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. There in your baptism... God gave you new birth, born again as his dear child. There at your baptism, God gave you renewal. You are now a new creation. You are no longer under God's curse. God looks at you and says, you are very good. A new creation by his work in your baptism. Social media and smartphones are strong evidence that people are visual creatures. They love to see things. So don't just tell me that you went on a vacation. 
Show me pictures of the mountain and the canyons that you went to see. Don't just tell me that you set up Christmas decorations. Show me the twinkling little village sprawled out across your shelves and your living room. Don't just tell me that you tried a new recipe. Show me that steak wrapped in bacon and dripping with barbecue sauce. Show me. Not only do we humans want to see things, it's helpful for us. It helps people learn. It helps people remember. And so that's what God did in your baptism. In your baptism, the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Your baptism is visible salvation. It's an epiphany of God saving you. God saved us through baptism. And that is so important to look to the font, to look to your baptism, when everything else around us looks contrary to that. I'm really saved. What about all the sins that I've struggled with and fallen into? It's an ugly past here. What about my aging body and death? What about the corruption and pain and hardship all around me? Those things we see as we go from day to day, God says, no, look, you're saved. An epiphany. The kindness and love of God our Savior appeared in your baptism because in your baptism, God brought to you Christ, the friend of sinners, Christ, the help of those who are in distress. Christ our Savior. We are saved through baptism, visibly, but also generously. On some of my family's excursions, we have noticed that scattered around Wisconsin are several artesian wells. An artesian well is a special kind of well that you don't have to pump to get the water out. You don't have to lower a bucket to draw water. The water just keeps flowing, gallon after gallon. And it's fascinating the way that works is because the water reservoir from which the well pulls is at a slope. And so the water uh, reservoir receives water from a higher elevation of where the site of the well is. And the well just keeps flowing with water. You don't have to worry about a high water bill. It just flows richly, abundantly, and generously. That's really what God did for us in baptism. Listen again. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Even if it was only a few drops that poured down your head in baptism, God wasn't stingy with his Holy Spirit. God didn't give you just a Dixie cup of the Holy Spirit. He gave you an outpouring of Lake Michigan proportions. So generous with his spirit to you in your baptism. The spirit is the one who gives us faith in Christ. He's the one who sets us apart as God's people through belief in the truth. He calls us by the gospel so that he testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. God was so generous to us with his spirit in baptism. Let's look at five ways from uh, Titus 3, verses 6 and 7, that God was generous to us. He generously justified us. 
justified, that takes us to God's courtroom where you and I, we were facing some serious charges, not just little petty misdemeanors, but these were the highest degree of felonies carrying the maximum sentence, death. And not just a a simple lethal injection that would have been over quickly, a painful, eternal suffering. Yet Christ stepped in and he took our condemnation, our punishment at the cross so that in God's courtroom, God says, you are not guilty. God declares it. It is most certainly true. We are innocent. We stand free of guilt. That's how God generously justified us. We received it in our baptism. God was generous to us with his grace as well. That means there was nothing we could do to be saved. God expected nothing from us in our baptism and gave everything to us. It was all a gift. God wasn't taking bribes for his not guilty verdict. He gave it to us freely just as Christ freely gave his life for us, all by grace, God's gift. In our baptism, God, in his generosity, made us heirs. An heir is someone who receives something because a family member died, because Jesus died. You and I receive everything that belongs to him. A plot of land in the true paradise above, a permanent place In our Heavenly Father's mansion, we share in His glory all the riches of the heavenly realms. We are heirs of that. And God poured that out on us generously in our baptism, having hope. Now in Wisconsin, this time of year, a lot of people are hoping that the Packers will win the Super Bowl. They're hoping, I've talked to many people who are hoping that spring will come early. Weather's getting to to a lot of people. A lot of people hope that the supply chain issue will be resolved quickly. Now that may or may not happen. There's no assurance of it, but this hope God has generously given us in baptism is sure. It's a certain thing. Just as certain as God kept his promise to send Christ, to send Jesus our Messiah, just as certain as Jesus died and rose again for you and for me, our hope in him is certain. Hope of eternal life. That life was given to you and me in our baptism generously by the Lord. We were taken from spiritual death to spiritual life, reunited with God. God the Spirit will give life to our mortal bodies and that will last forever. Just a week and a half ago, we turned the calendar over again to a new year. While we're here, we only get so many of those but because of God's generosity in our baptism, we have forever eternal life to look forward to. So generous. God has been so generous to us in our baptism. How could we go for a day without thinking about it or a week without thanking God for it? How could anyone belittle or or poo-poo baptism or put it off indefinitely? How could parents who are so concerned about their child's safety in the crib or in the car seat not be concerned for their eternal safety and bring them to baptism where God saves them? God has been so generous 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. We are saved through baptism generously. After hearing about the cars being stuck on the freeway out east, I don't know how many of us will go back and make sure we've got the blankets and the water and the flashlight in our car. After all, just because they got stuck out there doesn't mean we will hear. I mean, we, we might go through the rest of this winter without needing something like that, without getting stranded in the cold weather in our car. Maybe even the next several years, we might not have any issues with that. But we all have need of what John the Baptist said in the gospel today. Jesus' winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That fire will come. The world will burn. And millions upon millions of people will be seared and scorched. But we're saved through baptism. That baptism that took about a minute but lasts forever. Just a few drops of water but so much grace. Just one sentence spoken but it leads to praise without end. Look to your baptism. Keep going back to it. Focus on your baptism and give thanks to it because there you have so much hope and renewal that you can draw from every day. We're saved through baptism, visibly and generously. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We sing the sermon response hymn. confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And let us pray. Holy Spirit, you set us apart as God's holy people and grow us by your word. Please bless Sean and Tiffany Sickich and their children Bryce and Sophie as they join our church. Help us by your powerful gospel to encourage each other in love and good works as we see the day approaching. Heavenly Father, please watch over Janet Bitter, whose health continues to decline in recent weeks. Uh, please help her to hold on to Jesus as her Savior and focus on the promises of heaven and the resurrection that you have given to her in her baptism and strengthened for her through word and sacrament throughout her life. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. We praise you for delivering Ardeth Felski to eternal life on Friday. Be with all who mourn. Thank you for using Ardeth among us as an example of joy and faithfulness, all to your glory. And in Jesus' name we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord will be with you always. Please be seated for the distribution.